0: So the flames of love, the flames of love, which is something that the Bible talks about that in order for us to have this romantic love that comes with three different types of flames that has to burn together in a logical sequence. And this is what the Bible talks about. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is the flames of love. You know, Valentine's Day, one of the stories and one of the legends um, in regards to how Valentine's Day got started. Uh, one of the legends say that it's because a priest who lived around the 3rd century by the name of Valentinus, you know, he was li- living around this time, and at that time the emperor, the emperor, his name is Emperor Claudius II, you know, this emperor determined that single men, that single men made much, much better soldiers than married men. Because, you know, married men, when they're sent off to, you know, war and things like that, you know, they... They weren't really interested in fighting because they still had their family and they wanted to go back to their families and things like that. And so the men that were more, you know, were better soldiers or the single men. So the legend goes on and says that, you know, because of this, because the emperor saw this, then what he did was he, you know, he determined not to let any, all the young men get married anymore. So he, he, he outlawed that. And so when, you know, once he outlawed that, well, Valentinus, living during this time, he saw that as a great injustice. And so because he saw that as a great injustice, he continued to marry these young men. And as he continued to marry these young men, the emperor, he found out about it, and he captured uh, this priest, uh, Valentinus, and he put Valentinus into uh, prison. And as Valentinus was in prison, uh, he used to write to his lover, his, his, his significant other, the, ones that, the one that he loved. And... And one of his last letter one one of his final letters that he wrote to his uh his lover he signed that letter with the signature from your valentine and so that's how the legend goes and that's it goes on and says that's the reason why nowadays we often during valentine's day we often sign by using that from your valentine and so today it's, it's about love right it's about love we're going to talk about this love here what does the bible what does the Bible say about love? And so to understand love, we're going to go to the Song of Songs or Song of Solomon. You know, um, some some Bibles refer to the Song of Songs. Others, they say it's the Song of Solomon. But it's the same book, okay? It's the same book. And so we often don't really study from the book, from the Song of Songs. And, you know, the reason for that, I guess, is because the Song of Songs, you know, it, it really talks about romantic relationship written by Solomon, right? It's written about Solomon, and he talks about his romantic relationship with his, uh, with his lover. And we know that, that, that Solomon, at, towards the end of his life, he, he sinned greatly when it came to this topic because he ended up with a thousand, a thousand concubines, right? And so he sinned greatly. But then here in the Song of Songs, he, he is writing about his relationship with his lover. And oftentimes, as, as Protestant Christians, we often take this and we also see it in a sense that it also represents, it also represents crisis, Relationship with the church, and we see in Ephesians we see that the Apostle Paul often um, talk when he often talks about marriage. He talks about marriage within that concept is that marriage is a representation of Christ's relationship in uh, with his church. And so we see here in Song of Songs, Songs, chapter two, verse seven. Song of Songs, chapter two, verse seven. It says, "Do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases." Do not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. And when we look at that Bible verse, we're like, you know, why is, it, why, why is, Sol, is Solomon telling us not to stir this love thing up, right? Because Solomon saw this, you know, the Bible, see this love thing as something that was so, so essential that, you, that, that it's something for you not to bother with. It's not something for you not to, not to stir up until you are ready, and he sees this as if you, if you stir this up before you're ready, this is going to consume you. And it's going to become like this flame that's going to burn you out. If you try to stir it up before you're ready. And that's why he's, he's going here and he's saying, do not stir it up or awaken it until it pleases. And so, so Solomon is taking us to understanding from the Hebrew culture how they view love how they view love and how they see love. Here in the West, we, and in the English language, we often say things like, I love my food, right? (laughs) (laughs) I love my food. We say things like, I love my job, or I love my car. And when I was talking about this to the Mongs this morning, even in the Mong language, they said, that doesn't make sense to us, you know, because they don't say that, right? And so in the Hebrew culture, the same thing applies. Something like that makes absolutely no sense. They, they, they don't use love in that way. They will never say, I love my food, right? That, never, that, that wouldn't make sense for them at all. They will not say, I love my car. They will not say, I love my house. Because to them, love can only exist between people and between people and God. And so, you know, things such as car houses, things of that sort, your money, things of that sort, you know, saying that you love it. Saying that you love it just makes absolutely no sense to them. And so they see this love thing as something that is so, so essential, something so valuable. It's not not something that you just, you know, tread lightly with. It's not something that you just stir up. But something that you must be ready for it before you can even touch with. Or before you can even deal with it. And so how does the Bible talk about love? Well, there's three points. There's three points which... In the Hebrew culture, like I said, refers to three flames of this love. And the first flame that it talks about is raya. The second flame that it talks about is ahava. And the third flame that it talks about is the word dod. And I I would explain what each of these terms mean from biblical perspective. The word raya, the word raya here, it appears in Song of Songs, chapter 4, verse 7. And it says, "You are altogether beautiful, my love, or my raya. There is no flaw in you." It also appears once again in Songs of Psalms, chapter one, verse nine. It also goes on and says, "My love, I com- or my raya, I compare you to a mirror among Pharaoh's chariots." I guess a mare is a female horse, right? And <laughs> and So I mean, our generation, our time, we don't really—I don't know—if if a guy was to come up to you as a woman and say, "I you know, "I compare you to this female horse," I don't know how you respond to that. But I guess, I guess, the female horse was in that time, right? In that time, was something that was very—I guess—they found that to be something very beautiful. And so, you know, Solomon riding in his time, in his time, saying, "I compare you to this," "I compare you to this." a majestic, uh, I guess, female horse that um, is part of Pharaoh's chariots, right? And so what this word here, this word love here that Solomon is talking about, this word raya here, it's the first flame. It's, It's the foundation of how the Hebrews understood romantic love. And what this foundation is, is literally, it means friendship or companionship friendship, companionship, compatibility, things of that sort. That that they believe that in order for you to really have this relationship, this long-term relationship um, between couples, this long-term romantic relationship, then you pretty much have to build upon being friends, build upon uh, this friendship. And often when I go interview with my um with my board of ordained ministry, I have to do that every single year. And they tend to, you know, they tend to ask you about your personal life, okay? And so one of the things that they asked me about is that, how is your marriage, how is your marriage able to last all, the, all these years? Uh, and they want to know about how strong your, your marriage is, because they don't want you to be a pastor, and, and you don't really have a strong marriage and things of that sort. So they want to know how strong your, your marriage is. And one of the things that I always tell them is because I say to them, you know, because I married my best friend. I married my best friend. I see so there's so many relationships, so many relationships uh, break apart. I I have so many friends who grew up with me, and they don't even like their wife. They don't even like to take their wife with them anywhere, right? They don't even like to do the same thing together. And they like to go and they like to go and they like to go fishing. They like to go hunting. They don't like they don't even want their wives to go with them. And their wives, they like to go stay at the mall for hours and hours. And so they like to do so. There's no there's no friendship. There's no, there's no common interest or anything of that sort, and so a lot of times, you know, they, like I said, they don't even like each other on on that friendship level, and so they become married. They get married. They they come together, and the marriage just doesn't work out. It just doesn't work out because, because the the wife will be doing her own thing, and she would rather spend her time with all her friends, you know, all the time, and the and the husband, you know, the husband would like to just spend his time with his friends all the time, and they barely even spend time together, because they don't even like each other, right? They don't even like each other. And because of that lack of friendship, many many relationships, many romantic relationships, many couples often break apart. And even on, in our generation, even in our time, many of our youth nowadays, you know, one of the things that they often talk about is you know, they, they, they want to friend-zone everybody. Do you guys know what that friend-zone word means when our youth use that? Okay, they just, you know, everybody is just their friend now. They, they don't want to, you know, they. The philosophy for many of them is that, you know, I might like that guy or I might like that girl, but she's my friend, so I don't want to date her, right? I don't want to date her. And, um, you know, so, so that's, what, that's the way that they approach love. But what the Scripture is teaching us is that, actually, that is the foundation of love. And so many times we friend, like I was telling our youth, you know, many times we friend zone everybody that by the time we're 30 and 40 years old, everybody's our friend, we have no lover. We don't have a husband, we don't have a wife, we end up with nobody, we end up all alone. It's because of that, that mentality in regards to how we approach dating, how we approach our our romantic relationships. But like I said, the Word of God teaches us that the foundation, the foundation of a a romantic relationship is built upon that. It is built upon, you know, having common interests. It is built upon being companions of one another. It's built upon being friends. And if you are friends, then you can start your life together, you, you can pursue this romantic relationship. I, I have a cousin of mine, I have a cousin of mine, she, she got married to her husband, and her husband you know was complaining about her. her, her husband was just complaining about her, and then one day he called his older brother to come to the house, and he's, he told his, uh, his older brother, you know what, I want you to talk to my wife, because I'm just so tired of what she's doing. And so his brother said, okay, so what is the issue here? What is the issue? What is the problem that you're having with your your wife? And um, this, this guy says that, you know what, my wife just wants to go with me everywhere. And I'm just so sick and tired of that, right? You know, no matter where I go, I just, you know, I'll just step outside in the front yard. She wants to be there with me. I go to the backyard. She wants to be there with me. I go to, I just go, I just drive down the street to get gas and she wants to go with me. I'm so sick and tired of her, of that. Can you talk to her for me? And then the older brother turned to talk to the wife, and the older brother asked the wife, well, is that what you're doing? And then the wife said, well, you know, of course I'm doing that. That's the whole reason why I married him is because I want to be with him. The whole reason why I married him is because I want to spend time with him. And so the older brother was thinking about that, and then the older brother turned to his younger brother and said, you know what, I think she's right. I think she's right, and so you need to let her go with you. And so that's one of the things that we talk about, is spending time together, having this companionship, having this friendship that you want to really spend time with each other. That That's something that you really like to do. Um, you know, I, as you guys know, I went to Hawaii for a whole week. Hawaii's not fun without my wife. Hawaii's not fun without my children. You know, it's it's very boring. You go out, there. I, I, I drove around the island, you see all these, uh, you know, all these great, you know, scenes and things like that you know the beaches and things like that but there, without without your wife without your family it's it's just beaches it's just beaches and so that's one of the things that that builds a relationship up is really based upon that friendship having people around you having your wife or your children around you that that you just love to do things together And so that's the first point. That's the first point. That's the foundation of a relationship. And then it goes on and talks about the second point, which is Ahava. And Ahava basically means a commitment. A commitment or a willful decision to join your lives together with someone else. A willful decision to just live your life for something else. And it's not something to take lightly. And you must understand that this commitment has a consequence it has consequences for you in your life, and that's where we, that's when we read Songs of um, Songs, chapter eight, verse six to verse seven, was Janet wrote, uh, read to us, and it says, "Love is as strong as death." And this word "love" here is Ahava. Ahava is as strong as death. Jealousy is as strong as the grave. Waters cannot quench Ahava. Rivers cannot sweep it away. And the reason why why Solomon is saying that this is as strong as death is because he understands that death overcomes all things, right? It doesn't matter how rich you are, it doesn't matter how powerful you are, you can be the president, you can be the, the king, you can be whatever you are. You can be the most educated person in this world, you can be Solomon being the wisest person to ever live. And yet, death will to overcome you. Right, a, a pastor once said that there's, there's one death per person. There's one death per person, and death will always overcome you. And that's why, that's why uh, Solomon is saying that th- this love, this commitment, this ahava that you have towards each other it has to be as strong as death. It has to be something that will overcome all things, all obstacles, all challenges that nothing should be able to overcome that. And that's why when we do our marriage ceremonies, we often talk about, you know, um, till death do us part. Till death do us part. And so this, this is the type of commitment that that the scriptures teaches us about. The first step is to have this friendship. And then the second step is to have this commitment. Not, not to ask somebody to live for you, but, but for you to live for somebody else. Okay, many times when I talk to young couples who want to get marriage, married and I sit down with them, I say, why do you want to marry this person? And they will always say something like, well, you know what? This person makes me so happy. Well, that's good. I mean, that's good. But that's not really what biblical Christian love is all about. It's not about what that person does for you, but it's about what you're willing to do for that person. And that's what Ahava is all about. What are you willing to do? What are you willing to do? do to build that person up? What are you willing to do to give up your life many times for that person? And so if, if you're with somebody who, who you know, in no way are you willing to live for that person, then there can, there's no reason to pursue a romantic relationship with them. That's basically what, what Solomon's trying to get at here. That a romantic relationship has to have this where you are willing you're willing to live for that person. Okay? Not so much that they're living for you, but that you're living for them. And their interest becomes your interest. And so this is something that, that, that must happen both ways. Not just one person for the other person. Because in many traditional marriages in, in the past, we often have have the wife having to give up everything for the husband, right? That's not what the Bible is talking about. What the Bible is talking about is that we give up ourselves for each other. Okay? We give up ourselves for each other. And so that's one of the things that we must ask ourselves in this romantic relationship. Are we willing to do this for one another? And then the last word, the last word is sexual attraction, which is dode, okay? Um, I think for us here in the Anglo congregation, we might be a little bit more comfortable talking about sexual intimacy. With the Hmongs this morning, I said sexual intimacy, they start giggling. Uh, <laughs> because they're not very comfortable talking about that, especially the older, gen- yeah, especially the older generation, right? Yeah, they're and they're, they're talking about you know, you know, our, they're saying things like you know, our, our newer, you know, our, our sons and our daughters nowadays they put pictures up and they put pictures of them kissing each other. We don't even want to look at that, you know. And so that's you know, to the moms when we talk about sexual intimacy, you know, they it's something that they're a little bit uncomfortable with. But um, that's what the Bible talks about is that the, the, the third flame is that sexual intimacy. And sometimes when we're, we've been together for so long, and, you know, the husband, you know, he, he's going bald, and the wife, she's, I guess, I don't know how to put this. <laughs> but anyways, as we get older, you know, our body changes, and we're, 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 not, <laughs> we're not as handsome or as beautiful as we once were, right? I, I don't know if you guys saw pictures of me. Did, did you guys see pictures of me yesterday? Yes. You see how skinny I was? Okay, I, I was like 125, 130 pounds back then when my wife and I first got together. Uh, Pastor Greg from, from, uh, Fresno, he and I, we've known each other for a long time. And Pastor Greg, every time he sees me, he's always like, you know, you know, Pastor Chang, when we were still youth, you were like skinnier than me. And now you're like two times my size. What happened, <laughs> right? And so I just tell him, you know, my wife, my wife, she cooks pretty good. So, you know, my wife's a good cook. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, you know, as we age and things of that sort, our, our body changes. Our, you know, we're not as attractive as we once were. We're not, you know, as beautiful as we once were. Um, except yeah, except except my wife. I, like, um, except my wife. I think that as my wife gets older, she gets more beautiful. That's what I always tell her. <laughs> so, so that's what I always tell her. But, you know, most of the time, for most of us who... Or human, like I tell my kids, I, I think your mom's not human because, you know, as she gets older, she gets more beautiful. But most of us regular people, as we age, you know, we, we're not as attractive as one, we once were. And yet, even in that sense, the Bible is teaching us that we still need to have the, this sexual attraction. We still need to have this sexual intimacy with one another. And that's what builds up our relationship. That's what keeps our relationship and keeps our romantic relationships going. And so today, that's what I want to share with us, is that the three flames of love, according to uh, the book, Song of Solomon here is the first one is raya, friendship. It is the foundation of all relationships. And all these things are supposed to occur in logical sequence. We're not supposed to skip one to the other, right? We we're not supposed to skip friendship and go straight into sexual intimacy and things of that sort, but these things are supposed to occur in logical sequences, raya, friendship, companionship, the common interests. And goes on to commitment, a commitment that is as strong as death, a commitment that will overcome everything, a commitment that you're living for the other person, okay? And then the, the, the last flame is sexual intimacy, having this sexual intimacy with one another, continuing in that over and over again throughout your life. And so these are the three flames of biblical love. Let us pray together. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you so much for the wisdom that you've provided to all of us as your children. We ask that your word will be able to inspire us in our relationships and keep our relationships strong as we move forward. And so we lift everyone up to you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.